0: Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Wrestling Conversations. Um, I'm your host, Matthew. Um, The primary focus of this podcast is going to be um, interviews for independent wrestlers, um, other other wrestling personalities as well, maybe some wrestling media mixed in there. Um, So our first guest uh, today is Darren Corbin. So Darren's been wrestling all over the U.S. um, with a primary focus in the Midwestern United States uh, for the last 19 years now. So Darren was very generous with his time today. We get into a bunch of topics, um, including how he got started in wrestling, um, one of his greatest rivals, Eric Cannon. We talked about his time in Chikara, um, wrestling Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli, um, first wrestling in Minneapolis, and much more. So let's welcome Darren. Alright, so for the very first edition of Wrestling Conversations, we have joining us today, Darren Corbin. Darren, thanks for coming on.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's always great because uh, always the joke is you always remember your first. <laughs> so figured this would be a good way to throw it in there. So I appreciate you having me on. This is a big thing. I do appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again. So I wanted to start with, I know that you just had your 19th anniversary. That was within the last few days here, correct?
1: Yeah, uh, April... Okay. Uh, April 11th so it was April 11th 2004 is when I had my first match. Uh, it was actually an Easter Sunday and so a lot of the guys at the training facility that I was at couldn't make it due to family commitments. Uh, so I ended up getting uh, I ended up getting my first match out of it and uh, it it was uh, definitely kind of like a trial by fire I think because uh, it was one of those deals you never know if you're ready. But, uh, it was, it went well, I can say my first match went really well. Okay,
0: And that's something that I'm always fascinated by too, because, you know, like day-to-day life, like I don't know people that are pro wrestlers or have that aspiration where like as a kid, I loved wrestling, but I also loved baseball and for wrestling, at least as someone from the outside looking in, I think it's a little bit less this way now because there's more, maybe more options, but there's no clear path to get into wrestling like when you're a kid oh i, I love wrestling i like to do this well how does that happen so when, what was that like for you and like when did that become something that was not only yeah i'd like to do this but actually becoming here's how i do this
1: yeah i mean i was a wrestling fan since the time i was uh, like four you know so like i mean i watched wrestling i saw this and of course you know when you're like i'm gonna be a pro wrestler like you know a lot of times i feel like uh, many people fizzle out on that dream, I guess. But I I always wanted to keep it. And, like, the funny thing is I remember specifically, like, in middle school, like, they asked, like, a career day type deal. And, like, you know, everyone's picking, like, who should you observe? Who should you go? Like, people want to be veterinarians or, like, you know, where they would shadow people in the community. And I remember actually picking being a pro wrestler. And actually the common – just like you said, the common question was, how would you go about it? What would you do? What's your future plan for it? And, you know, again, this isn't exactly – a profession where i say that the future is always as bright for everybody and i think a lot of times it's more so survival is <laughs> kind of how i joke about it um but i remember thinking like well i have to know body type i have to know like physical body composition i need to know like how to be in shape i should maybe uh, get to know like how the body works maybe uh, a, you know, like personal trainer or like something like that. Those are the closest jobs that I could see. And it was like, well, where would you go to school for something like this? And honestly, from this point on, from eighth grade, all the way up until I went to college, the deal was, I looked at it as, um, the Shawn Michaels wrestling Academy was like the only thing sure, I really knew sure. in Texas. So I it, actually in my room, I had a little like, uh, um, like a clip, uh, from, uh, PWI magazine actually, okay, uh, that had like, I think at one time an advertisement and I had it up there and it was just like a, a blurb that he was doing a training. Cause at the time, you know, like, um, Brian Danielson was a graduate. Right. Yeah. There. yeah. So, uh, I had that and then I had the address. So like in my mind, I didn't really know when, but I didn't think it was outside the realm for me to go to Texas. And, um, but the one thing I always, always saw was, You know, like I said, future in this is not always um, promising. So everyone was like, have something fall back. So I knew I was going to try and go to college. That was the deal. I knew that was going to be what I was going to do. So eventually, like, what do you go? That's a passion of yours. And one that developed was actually video editing. So I went for TV production. And the closest accredited school was St. Cloud State. So I was at St. Cloud State and I was doing all this stuff. So again, my thought was, is I would not start training to be a pro wrestler until I graduated from college that, you know, get the degree, then start focusing, which is kind of funny when you think about it, that you're like, I went to college to go get my job. You know, like I got this degree to get a job, but I'm going to put that on hold to try and be a pro wrestler. Well, as fate would have it, I ended up beating up with a couple guys that were in a fraternity and I didn't even know that this existed, but they had done their senior year of high school, a business profile report on a pro wrestling training area, and they said uh, at the time it was Ryan Cruz and I were in uh, college at Saint Cloud State together, and he said, "You know, if you really are serious about this, you might want to check it out." And again, where um, where it was fate is, I was home on Christmas vacation and I was, or winter break or whatever you call it at that time. And I was looking at the website. And the funny thing is, is the first person I clicked on on the website is Eric Rowan. Cause like in my mind, I was like, how big do I gotta be? I'm 5'10", and like at the time I was super skinny. I was just, I had just been a diver. So like, I was really like lean. So I, I was like 160 pounds, I think maybe. And of course, I click on Eric Rowland's profile and he's like, you know, six, whatever. Yeah, six, you know. like
0: six, eight, something. I mean, at least close to that, maybe something like that <laughs> at least. But
1: and, and all I could think about was everything that they had said where they're like, look, if you're going to be this, you're going to, you got to be like a certain height or you got to be this. Like, look at everyone on TV. They're six, four, six, five, six, six. You know, like even the smallest dudes like are like six ones considered small. You're under six feet. Um, but then the other guys I clicked on, I noticed that it had a very cruiserweight feel to it. And I would come to learn later that they would take the smaller guys that a lot of people didn't take. Like at the time that I was getting trained, Minnesota alone was kind of known as like more big and uh, like bigger, bigger, uh, more plotting, like kind of uh, a lot of like, it, it was the spectacle. Um, i was home on christmas break i looked at the amount that training was it was exactly the amount that i had saved up from grad money and then the pwi magazine that i had had a photo on the back that featured ron maru and sumi sakai from mpw the place and i was like if they're in pwi magazine it has to be legitimate so i followed up with an email i said hey this is the deal i go to st cloud state i always wanted to be a pro wrestler and i think it was later that day or the next day i got a message back that said if you're interested in this come check out our facility we would like to see if you want to try out and of course like every part of me that had grown to want to be a pro wrestler was like oh my god Like I was so excited and so like we went down and we went to MPW and we wanted to you know like see what it was like I do remember like all the stuff of being like there's an actual wrestling ring oh my god like I've never been on this side of the guardrail like getting in the ring the first time like being like I want to try and get in the ring this way and we did a couple things just to kind of see if we would like it or like if it would stick and one of the first things they said to us was do you guys backyard wrestle at all and we only did like the trampoline. We sure. did buy our own ring and right. whatever. So. Sure. so, like, we we do uh trampoline uh stuff, and he was like, "Yeah, we can tell you pick up on mannerisms, and you have like at least an athletic sense to you know, oh, do sure. a lot yeah, of stuff." Sure. But they're like, uh, "Don't." When we train you, do not go back to those bad habits. And we started training, and we loved it. And so, like. It was originally Sundays and then Tuesdays, and then we were like, we want to be ready. So it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And it was like whenever somebody else was there, we would come down. And they would do shows every Sunday. And that was my first time actually watching an indie show. That was my first oh, really? time like ever okay. going to an independent show was the first day I went to training. And so like talking with people and seeing everyone in the ring, I was like, this is cool. Like, could this be Uh, like for Ryan and I, could this be us someday? So like, it was just a weird circumstance of fate. Like if I never went to St. Cloud state, or if I never started playing intramural sports with these guys, like if they never went and did their business profile here, like would I have been there. And then also to think like a year and a half later, that place closed down. So I got in right at the right time. And it's just, it was, it was great it was the timing thing and it worked and I continued to train there. And then when it uh, folded, it was kind of like having to look elsewhere for like getting reps or, or doing seminars and so on and so forth. But that's how I got into it. And it's just Mm -hmm. so weird when you look back at it being like, this is how everything came together. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's something that always like to, and again, this is just me from the very, very, very outside looking in, but just of what is out there for, if you were to Google, okay, wrestling schools, what's available, there's all these options. And I can imagine at that point, I mean, not that there weren't options, but I feel like t- to find something that would fit at least somewhat local to where you were at, that's got to be a pretty big deal.
1: Oh, it was. I was also super lucky because like knowing what I know now and seeing some places that have been, like some schools that right. have been, and, and like one, one thing that I did at least catch wind of is I always kind of looked at like credibility. And so I went down February and it was either December or January. Um, they had just had AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. Okay. So I had, so I, in my mind, like as a 19 year old kid, I was like, well, if they have these guys, it must be legit. You know, like it had to be legit. Um, but now, you know, now I know that like a lot of times, like you look at where you can get trained and where, what the people do. And either if it's the resume of the graduates or the resume of the trainers. And so like when you train with somebody and it's like, so-and-so former WWE star. Yes. You know, like, because, they've been there, they've done that, they can help you get there. Um, but when it's somebody you don't know, like, is is this going to be a good choice for me? So like, I really, truly lucked out because, you know, again, like, frequency of training, uh, does it help you advance your career? Like, what do you want? And as somebody who wanted to travel and get out there, I was able to at least make connections early with people that would get me to those places or know how to get me to those places. So I was incredibly lucky that I picked the spot I did at the time I did. Mm
0: -hmm. So, you know, something I wanted to ask you about too. somebody that you, I mean, kind of go hand in hand. You've had lots of matches against him, teamed with him. Tell me a little bit about when you met Eric Cannon. He's someone I feel (laughs) like he's been, he's been so good for so long. I've never, I've, I've seen him on shows, never met him, but tell me a little bit about Eric.
1: All right. So Cannon and I go, so Cannon's my trainer. We go way back. And like the biggest compliment that I've ever gotten, like, yes, I have wrestled Eric Cannon more than anybody else. And if I wanted to, I could bring it up, but I believe it's 132, uh, if I remember right. Okay. I, I have, I ever since Jericho's book, I have every match. I've kept track of You're every match track. and every opponent. Yeah. So I have it. I just don't have it in front of me. So um, when I met Eric Cannon, Uh, the deal was, is like I said, I was a big PWI reader. Mm -hmm. So when I met Cannon, Cannon was wrestling for IWA Mid-South, Chikara, and he had done CZW. These were all places that I had purchased VHS tapes from, Mm -hmm. read about in PWI magazine, was familiar with because of all, you know, like whatever form of wrestling media, Anytime I could get on the internet to learn more, these were places. So one of the first times I ever met Canon and we were kind of like getting to know each other, I said to him, I was like, I want to go the places that you go. I want to travel. I want to do this. And you seem to be the guy that does that. I want to do what you do. Now come to know that prior to this conversation past and now all the way to the future. Numerous guys have said that to him and me and have, whenever there's been a spot in the car, they are nowhere to be found. So I can only imagine what he thought when I came up to him and was like, I want to do this. So uh, can I swear on your podcast? Go for it. Absolutely. Hell yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. So anyway, uh, so what he said to me was he goes, uh, so what he did is he was like, look, I can help you. I can train you. I can get your, I can try and get a foot in the door for you. But if you fuck it up, you stay home. And that was that was it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. how I told you, like we would train a couple days a week. And then when it started adding on more, he started coming down because he was like, look, there's a style in Minnesota, but there's a style elsewhere. And you need to get familiar with that. And we would have, you know, like we would do Mondays and Wednesdays. And I would start to learn like little intricacies, like what was picking up. And I would start to watch tapes and be like, oh, man, they really focus on that there. I started doing road trips with Canon and just going like not booked, just hoping to have spots because it was important to see what other places were. So like I rode down to IWA mid-south with Canon a handful of times, not booked, but I would do either security or sell merchandise or just watch the show and be like, what is, what, what do people want? And what is missing? That was my goal. And so the deal was, is I always wanted to be like, uh, I, I wanted to take in as much as I could. And I thought, as somebody who grew up in a small town, it was crazy to me that it would become a regular thing to be like on the weekends, you're just going to go in the car and drive to, yo, we got a booking in Chicago. Yo, we got a booking in like middle of nowhere, Illinois. We're going to St. Louis. We're going all this, you know, like and the Dr. Seuss book that is, you know, like, Oh, the places you Mm -hmm. go is like just synonymous with wrestling to me because like I have done, I've gotten to wrestle in places that either like the ECW arena that were important to me. And then I've also wrestled in Holstein, Iowa in front of like four people in a community center in a town I never knew existed. I've also gotten to go to cities that I've always wanted to travel to like Vegas, or I've gotten to find hidden gems, like random spots that have like beautiful retirement communities that we suddenly think we need to have a wrestling show at, you know? And so like, it's just crazy. And my deal was, is I wanted to do, I wanted to wrestle as long as I could have fun and and travel and see the world. And this seemed like a great way to do it. it, it was to line it up. And I've been lucky there, but when I met Canon, like he was the guy who, and then on the road, like learning from him being like, how do we do this? And then like realizing that life on the road isn't so glamorous and like learning little tricks of the trade, like we ride together. How do we switch off? How do we sleep? who goes here? Where do we stay? Oh, we don't have a hotel. Is it a sleep in the car type deal at a truck stop? You know, like all these things that they tell you where people were like, Oh, you get to go all these great places. And it's like, yeah, I go to Chicago. I wrestled the show and then we would drive back. So I saw the venue, the after party home, nothing really else. Now over the time, uh, Canon and I have had, you know, like obviously a long history and elongated like uh ongoing now what i would say rivalry has always been the thing because when it comes to minnesota in my opinion it's canon and and me and uh that's what we look at as far as like who has a top and for a long time i thought it was canon and so i've always tried to rival and take that spot and that's exactly like for example what i learned going other places like what do people not have well everyone loves canon Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I don't really mind people hating me. So if I have to be, uh, you know, like basically the Joker to his Batman or however you want to put it. Great. But the moment where Tommy Dreamer himself said, you guys are like the new Midwest Dreamer and Raven i figured that was a huge endorsement that's pretty high praise that's pretty high praise exactly i think it comes from a very credible source but the whole idea that we've done like tags and we've done this we won tag championships and we've beaten each other for championships uh one of my first singles championships i beat canon for um all the belts around here like normally the promotions like we've either traded off or had matches in the main event for you know so we've done that. We've. Had bloody matches uh, against each other. We have done sold out shows. We wrestled in the Mall of America against each other. I was going to get to and... that too. There we go. Because I Ooh. that was yeah, one that, get that
0: I yeah that's one I definitely want to ask you about. Sorry, keep going.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah, we'll get there. But Cam and I have continued. And like one thing I've always said is, I was like, I have never ever wanted to wrestle to a point where people are like, oh, that's a Darren Corbin match. You know, like you know, it's just mm-hmm. plug and play. And when you wrestle somebody that many times, I remember that people used to, back in like 08 or 09, wrestling was not as hot. A lot of the comments when I was wrestling in front of crowds that were like 40 people, 50 people, people were like, look, we've seen all these matches. Nothing's really fresh. And that always stuck with me. So when I wrestle Canaan on a regular basis, we have to make sure that it's not the same. Like the match type has to be different or how we go into it is different, but we have a long history and legacy to play off of it. We're always trying to one up each other, whether it's a new move that we put in, or or what. But like, even the last match that Cannon and I had, the last match we did, is the match where I broke my clavicle. You know, like we've wrestled each other numerous times, and just something went wrong, and I ended up out for three months. Is that going to be the last time I wrestle there at Cannon? Doubtful. I'm sure we're gonna have numerous matches against each other. And like, if we're at 130 now, like it's probably not far out of the realm like depending on how long i keep doing this like <laughs> i mean 150 seems doable but like mm-hmm. does it get to 200 or like i mean we're both up there so it's it's kind of a, a weird thing but yeah it went from a deal where i always appreciated what canon did for me i always appreciated him getting the foot in the door and helping me and i i took it to the next step the deal was is that's also another thing when people are like you know you, you get your foot in the door and you earn your spot. That's one thing to earn a spot is one, is one, but you could always be that like scramble match guy, that open match guy, that multi-man match guy. I wanted to work my way up the car. I had ambition to do that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a big time player at all those places that there were. I wanted to be a draw for those places. I ultimately wanted to be a draw there because it would create a draw. If you couldn't see me right. all the yeah. time back home. So Those were things that I grew. And when you look at somebody where you're like, man, you got a lot of credibility, too. But that's a good goal to try and surpass. Mm -hmm. And I set my goals high because I wanted to be like, look, I'm not just going to ride your coattails to this. I'm going to get there and earn my spot. So if you weren't there anymore, I still am. And as a result of the place I am, hopefully I can get booked out of there, which is what you try and do. Just networking and branching out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something
0: there that, okay, you've had all these matches with Eric. How can we make things different? And that's something I've always, like, I've noticed about you is, you know, when you're on one show, it's not like that doesn't exist somewhere else where there's continuity between matches, between angles, whatever that may be. How do you kind of go into that where I don't think
1: that's something that everybody
0: does? How do you always make that make sense?
1: It's tough because I grew up in two, I feel not to sound dated or anything, but I grew up in two different areas eras i grew up in a tape trader world that's where i started you know like a lot of the stuff that i saw for the first time like for example when i saw kevin uh kevin owens and Sami Zayn wrestle for the first time like or when i saw just the whole promotion uh uh, iws that was on vhs i used the first time i ever saw deathmatch wrestling was on vhs and if you wanted to see somebody else somebody would be like yo i got this And then eventually gets to CDs and best of compilations. But now there's streaming and now there's social media and there's gifts and all this stuff. It's two different worlds. And I always said, oh, my gosh, I always said to myself, like. I think I would have as a young kid, I I don't think I would have done anything stupid, but I think I would have piss people off. I, I think I would have been like, I'm just a young kid having fun. I think I would have said the wrong thing and I definitely would know better now. And I, so I think social is a hard thing to navigate for so many people because either some people are good at it or some people are awful at it. But because of those two worlds, I have to keep in mind that it's not the days where you could run a circuit and wrestle the same guy and, like, you do the same moves or, like, you have the same, you know, like, the five moves of doom or, like, you're always watching for, like, I came to see the rock bottom into the people's elbow and I came to see this. You got to change it up. And, like, the other thing, too, is, like, one thing that was always a cool compliment but it's somewhat backhanded how people word it whereas when people are like i didn't know that you could do that <laughs> <laughs> like oh, you know, how should like, i take that because <laughs> also in the same sense uh like some of my best matches some of my favorite matches are against deathmatch guys mm-hmm. and i am i uh, so first of all i am not i do not hate death matches. I actually love watching. Uh, I grew up, you know, like high school, I got into like the big Japan death match tournament. So like watching death matches, whenever I'm at a show when one's on, I'm like, oh, I'm glad my match is done. And I'm like ready to watch. But the guys that I wrestle in hardcore matches, street fights, no DQ, stuff like that, that have that background, like two of my favorite matches are again one's against Nick Gage and one's against Masada. And like, those are two very predominant death matches. Oh yeah, yeah. But like the contrast in style works. I love it. Like some of my most memorable matches and bloodiest matches are against F, you know, and like when we just all, you know, all all weapons legal, all rules out. Like we've had crazy matches and those are some of the, the big ones. But a lot of people are either, you know, still used to me doing comedy or used to me as a tag wrestler. So when they see me like go a little bit above and beyond, the main thing for me is, I'm not like a, a place on the card thing, but I treat myself as a unique presence to the show. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times if you watch a show, and this also has to go with how I started, because when I started Stone Cold Steve Austin had just retired. And every single indie show I went to, there was somebody trying to be the next Stone Cold. Oh, sure. Jean yeah. shorts, black Short. you know, like it was And they were not Stone Cold. Shocker. But that's why I went in and I was like, I'm not going to try and be a badass when I'm not Stone Cold or when I'm not the biggest badass on the show. I'm not... I I was a diver in high school, but at the time, Matt Seidel had a way prettier moonsault than me. And Ricochet could do too. There was guys that were like doing awesome technical wrestling. And like, I... It's still one of the matches that blows my mind was from a TPI where it was uh, Brian Danielson versus Claudio and Brian Danielson got the entire crowd to clap with him by turning his head. And then they started clapping on the beat. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like that is someday I aspire to be so good with the technical, like and including the moves that followed, but like watching that match and being like, not only do I want to like to be that good or whatever, but like, it got to a stage where I'm like, I'm never going to be that good of a wrestler, but I want to be that captivating. And That's the thing. You go to these shows and people look at it and you're like, you have the the best at this or you have this guy and whatever. And so I always tried to to add a little bit. So if I went to a show and I was in a tag match, like I definitely wanted to have the best tag match on on that entire card. Mm -hmm. But I've done a lot of shows that were TV tapings where we would film four episodes in one night. and You had to keep it fresh. So like maybe Mm -hmm. my match one is not going to be the same as my match four. And what do I get to do that compliments the guy that I'm going to be in the ring with? And I always, I watch, that's still a huge thing. I kind of get familiar with promotions, but I also watch the show and try and see what exactly everybody's doing. And a lot of times I can pick up on patterns. There's been a couple of indie shows that I've done where by match one and two, I kind of get what I call the hotnesses because I was like, huh, I know what you're watching. And at the time it was either they were watching Ring of Honor or NXT because I knew like, for example, uh, Nigel rebound Lariat. Now, yeah. again, we all know that Moxley Ambrose did that, but mm-hmm. why I would see it on the Indies, not as good, but people were trying to do it uh-huh. right now. Rip cord anything like everyone does the Okada, not going to see me do that. And I also make this comment as somebody whose finish is the cutter. Like mm-hmm. that is my finish, but the difference is, is mine doesn't get kicked out. Of. Like, it's great that people just use theirs, but mine's better because mine actually right, ends yeah.
0: matches. Uh-huh. So,
1: but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I try and look at what, what could this card be potentially missing? What is the main event? Cause in my mind, uh, I do always believe if you're the main, that's who people are coming to see. That's always, that's a, I, mm-hmm. if it's old school, it's old school, but my deal is, is give the time for the main. And if the main is doing this, I won't do what they're doing, but I want, to give you something different so that the ride to the main event is fun. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like my combination of what I do to keep it different. And I, and I do watch a lot of like wrestling and honestly, the stuff that I like uh, sometimes I think if I were to book a show, which I don't want to do, but if I were to book a show uh, I'd be the only one entertained because the stuff I like is (laughs) not like everybody's stuff, but I can throw it in there and have it be different because Hey, I'm just one match on a card of six or seven. So, We'll
0: try it. Try it. Right. And that's something too. I think there's a lot to be said about that too. I feel like you're one of those guys that like, no matter what spot you are either put in or you put yourself in, like you're going to make it work where I feel like there's, like you said, there's the one guy in the show that, okay, he's good at this or this guy can talk. This guy is really athletic, but you can kind of bring a lot to the table where it's like, Hey, either side, I, I watched a match with you and Claudio from back in. What was that? First wrestling. You would know the date probably. What was that? 20, not 22, it was 09, 2009. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you've got a match like that where Claudio is Claudio. You're fighting from underneath the whole time. Then you've got a match with Orange Cassidy where like that, that comparison there of, okay, we can get two opposite ends of the spectrum, but no matter where that you're put, you're going to make it work. That's kind of what I've gathered from watching you over the years.
1: When you say fighting from underneath, that was legit like probably one of the hardest fights I've ever had from underneath because uh, first of all, that was a dream match of mine was to wrestle Claudio. But early on in the match, if you watched it, um, you know that, well, A, you know how strong he is. He's by far the strongest, like pound for pound, strongest guy I've been in the ring with. But he does a thing where he picks me up ribs first, like a reverse body slam, and we go right into the post. And I just instantly got all the air knocked out of me. And then he dropped an elbow on me. And I was just like, oh, And and I felt like I was literally like fighting. But then also to be like, oh, I'm just just literally a ragdoll right now. Like the the stuff that you see that he does and then when he like pops you up for the uppercut, like I just remember running and then I remember being in the air and I swear in that armory, like I looked straight ahead and I thought I could see out the windows that are in the top of the arm and like maybe it was just perception, but I remember being like, I'm running. I get popped up. I don't remember the rays, but I remember being up there like where it seemed like a cartoon moment to be like, I am really hot <laughs> and then dropping. And I just remember a like just the most thuddish impact on that. And then the UFO uh, watching the, the tape back of that and then what it felt like to be in that is like insane. Like he spins so fast that I'm just like I felt like I was up there for. Ever. but yeah I was clear. it was such a clear like it was legit a fight from underneath and honestly I thought I did so bad I thought I dropped the ball because I thought with how I got hurt I was like I didn't feel like I could fight up to capacity but I think the legitimacy of it is what solidifies that match now you fast forward like I said I've done comedy I've done all this stuff and whatever and I've I've been the character for so long that when I changed into like the loudmouth mercenary at first and then wrestled Orange Cassidy, uh, it's a flip. I'm now the straight guy to the comedy or the character. And watching like all these guys that have come through now with like characters, I get to play off of them. And I've always been I've known of Orange Cassidy and seen, and it's amazing to me that he's been doing this for years and now I mean, like to say skyrocket exploded is like understatement of how this has come to be, but that match, like that's another one of my favorites, but like the whole thing, I just remember in my mind, uh, or maybe because I remember saying it out loud, but I don't remember to who maybe it was John Maddening or like somebody came up to me and was like, what should we expect out of this? Anything that we need to know? Like maybe they're writing the note cards. And I said, I think you can expect like, uh, oc's greatest hits and i think you're gonna expect despicable like me trying to combat (laughs) it and like that was exactly it i thought it was a great showcase but because i've done both sides uh like that just i mean like this is me in my natural form this is me where i wanted to get to but it really again it's not my match it's it's what if you were to look at it on paper you don't need to see orange cassidy or even when you see orange Cassidy. i don't think orange cassidy Yes, he does his thing, but he doesn't have the same match all the time in my mind, unless the same match is he fights from underneath and finds a way to win because it's working on TV. Right. But to me, uh, I love that variety. And it is almost a challenge. When I look at, especially when I have like a weekend of multiple matches, and it's like, what am I doing each time? Uh, That is the fun part to me. It's always different and it's unique and uh what part should i play out and and again it's a it's another thing going into it where i look at my spot on the card or my interaction with this person that's like cool i always want to build off of that too because some of my favorite matches some of the matches i've seen are like when eddie guerrero has wrestled you know like ray mysterio numerous times or when chris jericho has wrestled the, you know and it's like but they're all different they're mm-hmm. great and uh that's what I strive for, is uh, having where it's like, Oh, Hey, I've seen this match before, but I, I definitely would see it again. That's what I want.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I wanted to touch on next to is some of your stuff from Chikara. So Chikara, and I'm not a Chikara expert. I will admit that first, but Chikara is such a strange world at times. And, but there's two matches specifically that kind of jumped out to me. Cause you know, this first one is a pretty straight match actually. Like, so that was yourself and Ryan Northstar Express against Claudio and Chris Hero. So that was was that 2007, 2008?
1: 2006. Six? Well, okay. I, well, okay. There, it's 2006 and I believe 2007 is the the one that put us on the map in my opinion was uh the Tag World is mm-hmm. from the ECW Arena. Mm-hmm. We have a rematch later in Reading uh where we uh collect our three wins and we challenge for the Campeones de Parejas. Mm-hmm. Uh but that one um Tying back to what I said in the, in the whole training where you're like, you look at a wrestling ring for the first time, you get in a wrestling ring for the first time, or you watch a show and you're like, that could be me. I could be somebody here. Um, This was different in the sense of, look, I knew of Chris Hero before I started training. I had literally just gotten into Claudio uh, as soon as I started training. and was like amazed so, again, being a Chikara guy, like I used to create my quack and bush on video games. And so, like, I knew Chikara. Um, but the first time I ever went out was Tag World 05. And that was huge because that was just like, oh my gosh, I'm a part of Tag World. And, like, even if it was just a filler team to put in that spot, that, that was such a wild weekend because now, like, I am so glad, uh, again, as a young kid i was 20 and like looking around and going oh my gosh i have so many vhs tapes of you guys yeah, and you're... we're all sitting in one room yeah. you know like watching yeah. wrestling together liking wrestling or going out to eat together i'm like man and, and like the other thing too is like these moments where either you have a match and like you get you get really good advice from people that you like look up to or when you have a bad match and they come up to you and like look that didn't go this well here, let's do this. And this is what you do next time. And you're like, I just want to show you that we have what it takes. Because the first time I ever went out to Chikara, um my, my match, the matches weren't good. Um, as far as like, we did a 10-man tag and it fell apart. And I was honestly like, you know, that foot in the door thing. I was like, I did not make a good impression. But our attitudes did. Our training with them did. And so like, they wanted to bring us back. And then it was the next time that I was there that they kind of were like, These kids are, we like these kids and we would continue to come out and we continue. And they saw the Kings of wrestling saw potential in us. And also shocking. Like, it's still like, this is something that like is so far back now that sometimes I forget about it that like JJ Dillon was our manager, like Mm -hmm. that, you know? And, and I remember like, I asked him, I said, uh, I asked him, picked his brain and I said, is there any advice that you could give me? And the one thing I do really appreciate is he goes, Look, the some of the some of what I think in modern wrestling has passed me by as far as what I think I could give advice to you. But what I always think works is when you are, you know, you have good versus evil and you do your part well. And I always thought that that was great because we did have that dynamic going in there. But we came to Tag World being like, we're gonna get managed by JJ Dillon. That's awesome. And then they were like, by the way, you're going to the final night. You know, like, I think it was the final eight or something like that. And um, I believe it was Hero. He like, you, you know, like, you got us tomorrow after we did our tournament. And I was like, oh, man. And it's in the ECW arena, which is like, so um, that moment was really good. And I thought it showed that Ryan and I could showcase what we did and that we belonged And it gave us a lot of confidence. And uh, again, I think knowing full well, the Kings of Wrestling win that tournament, but knowing full well that they're going to win, that it's very much a, there was a couple moments where people bit on a couple Mm. of the falsies for us. And I thought that was really cool. And then at the end, it was the first time that we ever got, or that I remember ever getting a standing ovation. And it was so surreal. And it was awesome to be like, those are things that you feel as a wrestler where you watch those moments where you're like, oh, man, I wish I could have that. And then you do, and it just hooks you. Cause you're like, now I want that more, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, that, that was such a cool experience. And and that one, uh, that I do believe put us on the map. And that's where people like started like really focusing with Ryan and I, mm-hmm. and that's where we started teaming, uh, obviously at more places, more locations, but yeah, that was a, God, that was such a great weekend. It was awesome.
0: And I should point out that was 2005. You started in 2004, so to already be in chakar at that point has got to be like, yeah, like you said, if you're a fan of this, you own VH VHS tapes of 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 Chikara. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah, and, and and it was something that, like I said, I I knew it was one of those deals where I was just like. Look, I tried to be, I I just wanted to be respectful. I wanted to be, like, I didn't want to rock the boat. I wanted to, you know, show that I, again, this is one of those, like, hey, we got your foot in the door. You have a spot in the tag world. (laughs) Don't mess that up. So, like, I tried to be, you know, like, really good. And I observed to see kind of what the, like, and and again, it was such a great atmosphere, so it was awesome, but I wanted to see, like, what, because Chikara's a wacky world, and a lot of guys who, Do who are good don't necessarily connect with Chikara, like they don't get it or they don't fit in. And like it's funny to go there and you're like, why is so-and-so not over? But like an ant is like that's (laughs) that's Chakara, and we somehow just managed to slide in as like this white meat baby face team that was like an 80s, 90s style. But it didn't exist in a world of, you know, like crazy characters and gimmicks. So we had a spot and it was so cool, but I'm glad it happened. Like, of course, I'm glad it happened early, but I'm also glad it happened early because it got us to like establish and, and really like learn from a lot of really good people there. And uh, still, a lot of the friendships I've made there are still long lasting. A lot of the matches I've had, I really enjoyed out there.
0: So talk to me a little bit about the, I know you've talked about this before plenty of times. I'm sure you probably know where I'm going with this, the, the slow motion spots. I feel like you haven't just done that in, you know, in Chikara, but that's, I feel like a perfect place for that kind of talk me through that. I always thought that was great. I know some people probably hate it, but
1: Yeah, some people do. Uh, It's always really funny because when it pops up somewhere else and people do slow-mo, I'm always like, where's all the hate on this, but I'll get to, I'll get to that. So slow motion was something that Ryan and I used to do to get training basics down. We would go through in slow motion to make sure that we would have everything like our placement and make sure we had our balance and it was a good core workout. So it was something that Ryan and I did. And the first time we ever did slow motion actually was at IWA Mid-South in the Candido Cup. It was a four on four. And... Candido cup was a tag tournament, 16 team tournament. And our four teams that had been eliminated were on opposite sides. So it was like the North star express and like a color, other people. So it was like who, whatever. So Ryan and I started the match and it's like, of course, you know, you have to make physical contact before you tag out. So we pretended like we were like, okay, I'm going to win this for my team. I'm going to win this for my team. And then when we broke it down, we went slow. Because I definitely think there's a way that you can do it. But we went slow and we did all this and went through it. And um, it got a reaction. Like we actually got a like, Candido, Candido. And I was like, wait, is the first time I'm getting like a massive like chant at IWA Mid-South is for doing slow motion? Ridiculous. Now, also, uh, in the February... I'm really testing my knowledge on this one, but on the February prior to that, we had encountered a tag team by the name of the Olsen twins, uh, Colin Delaney, and then uh, Jimmy Olsen um, up in Toronto area, Mississauga, uh, Canada. And everybody at Chicago was like, I can't wait for you guys to meet the Olsens. They're like you. It's like looking into a mirror. So when we met, we came and we're like, Hey, uh i'm so and so i'm so and so and then there was a pause and we were like so uh everyone says that you're like our wrestling twin yeah everyone tells us that too like and so like we just kept going back and forth and we had a super fun matchup there and i think somebody was like you guys should do that at chakara because like olsen's were coming down to Chikara because they were up in new york and so we were coming in and we did that show in hellertown that one and so it was like June of 07 because that would be the month after we did slow-mo and we were like, we gotta do something different. We can't do the same thing just in case somebody saw the math. And we were like, we did this thing in slow motion, but like, I don't know if it would work here, but we really got to commit to the bit. And so sure enough, we do slow motion and it gets like a weird traction because like Chikara fans picked up on it and they loved doing it in slow-mo and the commentary would go slow-mo and even the refs and everybody. So then, it slowly transitioned into a thing that I did where I could like make it happen. Um, not, and it was not like magic. It just was something that I did. So of course, like the biggest moment of the whole thing that comes out of it is 2011 King of trios go against. <laughs> Mitch I was, yeah, oh, yeah. was
0: going to say, I'll, I'll never forget saying, seeing the great Sasuke do slow-mo. I'll never forget that. Just like, how would you ever expect that's going to be something that happens?
1: We, I was in the car with Cam. I was like, yeah, Ken, do you think he'll do it? Like, do you think if I pitch? Because, like, the deal was, is, like, here's a time to, sh- to, like, shine, show out. Like, this is a dream match. If you're like, is this a dream match of yours? No, because I'm not going to come up with this thing. Like, this is the craziest match I've ever been a part of. But, like, to be like, I'm going to wrestle Sasuke. But if I can get him to do slow motion, that's going to be the coolest thing that I can do. Now, I have to always set the record straight because I got so much shit for this. The reason that there's a second slow motion spot is because he loved it so much. Okay, that was him. Okay. I will. Not, I'm not going to. I'm not because like so many people were like, really slow motion twice. I was like, it wasn't me. Like, I'm not supposed to like. But anyway. um, Yeah. So like the first time that we did it and like got into it, it was like it also got to a stage where it was kind of like the pinnacle of like, how am I going to do it better than this? You know, like what, Mm -hmm. what's going to top it. And so then a lot of people would want to do it, but like you had to really make it work. Like the, the thing was is like, it either had to be like, you were slightly at the same, like, you know, you had to be on the same side and and have to make it work. Like if you're in a triple threat and like you, you know, like, hey, we're friends, but we're going to do this because we have to actually make contact. Um, But the one that's actually really funny, I've shared this a couple times. I went over to England and I did uh three weeks in, uh, well, I went to Europe. I did three weeks in England and the final weekend for WXW. And the whole thing was, is WXW knew of me and, like, basically the deal was they knew that I did slow motion. This is 2011. So it's, it's after I did, uh you know, King of Trios. And they were like, look, uh, if you can come out and do the, the the tour, it'll be great. That will help get your way here. You know, so like and I was just excited to go to England. Like, that's still a cool moment for me. And so getting to wrap up in Germany was great. Um, so it was requested for me to do slow motion in Germany. And Fit Finley was on the show. And Finley hated it. (laughs) Oh, I could have guessed that, I guess, but... Oh, I'm not surprised one bit, but he pulled me aside and basically told me that that was the most embarrassing thing he's ever seen in his career. To which I thought in my head, you must not watch a lot of, like, YouTube or indie wrestling, because there's a lot of stuff that's... (laughs) Like, if Botchamania, let me sit down and have you watch Botchamania.
0: He's never seen that, I don't think.
1: No. But I felt, you know, like, yay, babe after that and i was just like look the whole reason i'm here is because that this is what i do so i took i took my brow beating i took all the stuff like luckily it was like when he was like what made you think that you should go out there and do it luckily one of the promoters was like we asked him to do it it's what he does in the states so like luckily i didn't have to like try and talk my way up this awkward situation but at that stage i was like i don't think he wants me in this locker room <laughs> he didn't kick me out or nothing but I went to the merch table and what redeemed everything which was wild is I'm sitting there putting my t-shirts out and you know and I brought only so many and a group of people came up to me and were like oh my god we've been waiting to see you do slow motion since you did it in 2007 in hellertown for Chikara and these are German fans and I was like you know my you know my stuff that well. And they're like, we've always wanted to see it live. We thought it would be great to play along. And I was like, and they bought every single one of my shirts. So I, in, in my mind, I was like, look, I can understand why somebody would hate it, but like also in the same sense, but it's so funny because like Tommy dreamer has done it with the remote. He's done slow motion at your car with the, the, the I believe the Jericho appreciation society just did it. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. did a slow motion spot. Uh-huh. But like, part of me is just like, I tag Finley in this and see what he says about Jericho? Like, I don't, might not have, might not have much to say at that point, but uh. yeah. So like in my mind, I was like, look, I get it, but uh, it was always a debate. And then there was a time where a lot of guys were doing like kind of like slow motion spots. And I, and I saw a lot of guys do it. So uh, eventually it just came to be where I just weeded it out of what I did. And uh, because again, I just felt like it had to be done a certain way and uh, it was hard to top
0: what i've already done so yeah okay so i mean we're gonna jump very far ahead so we mentioned earlier mall of america saturday Mm -hmm. night nitro so walk me through that because you're you're all over that show where you start off jerry lynn eric cannon you're coming out later on with a lex luger spot that was i thought that was great so talk talk me through that what was that like for you uh
1: that is i mean when you think of things that you can, like, hang your hat on, uh, you know, like, there's so much cool stuff that sometimes gets overlooked in wrestling. And, like, you could have a great match, and it could be in front of 10 people, right? You know? Uh, maybe the internet picks it up. That's cool. But, like, when people ask you, like, where are places that you wrestle and you go? Like, of course, I could be, like, I go to, you know, Chicago or uh, gone to Vegas and whatever. But when you're like, I got to wrestle in the mall of America, like that's insane. And also considering the fact that literally the only other wrestling company to do that is WCW. Now there is a lot of hardworking people and parts that made this a reality. And that is never lost on me. But I also, uh, Am one of those where I'm like, I'm going to do everything in my power to be the most talked about person on a show full of people like Rob Van Dam and, you know, like numerous like AEW talent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I was had a, find... a
0: stack show, very stack show. Top oh, to bottom. Incredibly.
1: And um, so the funny thing was, is I was sitting there and like the lead up to it. You know, it's like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And it was years in the making to get this ha- to happen. It was like, we're going to do this. Um, at, at the time when I first thought it was a, a reality or going to happen, like I didn't think I would be wrestled lose a champion at the time that this would come in too. Um, and leading up to it, we did, we set up. And then when the ring was all there and I was like, wow, this is actually a reality. Like the ring is in, in the Mall of America. And then we did a media day and we're talking about it. We're hyping it up. And then we do a fan fest. And like every single day is like getting closer. And And this is something that I've always tried to appreciate as a wrestler. Like our time in the ring is actually very minimal. And all the hard work that goes into it is like, you know, it feels like we've been planning for years, months or whatever. and You build it up and you hype it up. But you're like, your time might be anywhere from eight to 10 minutes or like 10, 10 15. So I'm sitting there and I'm like thinking about it. I was like, not let your time like soak it in. Like you deserve to have this moment where you like can a- like actually sit and think about what is going on. And we're down below, uh waiting kind of in the wing, because like it was you had to have security guards like escort you oh, to yeah. the the entrance, which was wild. And I remember just sitting there and being like, it's happening, it's gonna happen. And it must have been when the countdown clock went for the, I I heard some stuff for the pre-show, but when I heard the countdown clock drop, I heard like that rumbling of like clapping and like people stomping their feet. And I was like, oh, and it like took me out of it almost uh, in the sense where I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, pull it together, pull it together, pull it together. And then like, also you're just like so like proud of everything that you put into it and made it work. And then you walk up and you're sitting there and you're like kind of in that gorilla position and you're just waiting and you're like this is actually something that's going to happen and so again now leading into it like here's the the funny part is like yes i'm wrestling canon in the opening match it's a match that we've had numerous times but in my mind on this one we are now the first match uh, in the mall of America, technically tele, you know, like televised in any way, shape or form. Um, and going into it. I know that the microphone is my biggest asset. I know that that's my big thing, but also being able to like, take a moment and be like, I'm going to get to like run my mouth at the mall of America. That's awesome. That's great. So I got to do, uh, so I got to do that, got to have the match, got to open for like a hot crowd of like, history making like actual historical like significance on this one and uh you know even if the outcome didn't work like the funny thing is is like i still got all and you know just like there was numerous things throughout there i still was able to turn it around and by the way like when everyone talks about nitro the first nitro everybody always remembers Lex Luger in the puffy shirt the moment i knew we were doing uh wrestling at the mall of america i was like i need i call it i get the puffy shirt spot that's me and i went and looked all over finally found something close because that shirt style does mm, not exist it's a little tough flex, to find out <laughs> flex wherever you found that i have no idea but i found something close i had to tuck the collar in but i found something close mm-hmm. and it's really funny like if you were. I had a photo of Lex Luger on my phone and I'm looking through numerous white shirts at department stores going, <laughs> "Uh, no, the buttons aren't right. The pocket's not right. Like I had to get as close to it. Now, obviously the other thing too is Jerry Lynn is somebody that has, uh I mean, like I was a huge fan of Jerry Lynn growing up. I was at Anarchy Rules when he won the ECW championship. I wrestled Jerry in 06 and then again on his retirement tour. And some of the most, I mean, I have learned so much from Jerry in those two matches. And also, uh, Jerry is a angel sent from heaven to make wrestling better. And so, like, I'm so glad that he is in a, like, agent role, like wrestling Mm. benefits from having him around. He is also somebody who, like, has been Mm. awesome to check in on, like, birthdays and big events. And, like, that's cool to me to be like Jerry Lynn is a friend of mine. So getting to be in the ring with Jerry and like, also, you know, when you think about it, like Canon and I have this feud, that's going to build. And like, I even said, I was like, it would be ridiculous for us to not do anything at this show. Like, that's what I thought would be crazy. We had to do something at this show because everything like builds to this. So if you're not going to have like the two staples, in my opinion, of Minnesota wrestling, like uh, current Minnesota wrestling, like what, what's the point. And so doing that and then having Jerry there and Jerry to be like, look, both of you, I've mentored you, which is true. He's like, I've, I've been on the road with you guys, which is true. He's like, I've watched you guys grow into what, what you've done. And I've had Jerry be the first one to be like, you guys did great. You did this, all this stuff, like at his retirement show, telling us like, you know, the scenes in good hands with you guys. So like, that's all true. And then like doing that spot, the goading in, the building that story, and then also coming back to it and having Jerry get to, you know, like get that moment which is cool cuz you know how much Jerry means to Minnesota too you know, Minnesota, absolutely and that's so awesome to me um but all those stories and all those little things tying together, uh, like I said, I really did get to make a mark on a lot of things. And and I also look at myself somewhat of a of a palate cleanser, because when you have like so much going on, you need a moment of break in that whole thing. Otherwise, you feel like you're conditioned to see the same thing. And like even getting to do something like that with Puffy shirt and Jerry, even though it wasn't a match, it was just a, a nice like little promo talk segment. Easy. Uh, it's still super memorable. Yeah. and uh people you know i didn't know to what extent because like you said that show was stacked so i didn't know the success i was gonna have uh with holding it but a lot of people were like dude you stole the show uh dude i still remember this uh they sent me photos that they got from the show of me in the puffy shirt um super awesome and like it, 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 again, it really means like uh, a lot to me to get to have an opportunity like that and deliver. But also it means a lot to feel like you're somewhat of an ambassador for wrestling and the product that you carry. Because you're like, look, this is something big we did. We're going to continue to do big things. And I'm the champion and I represent this company. And like, again, I will be a staple and you can bring in people, but they're going to remember me. And so like, that was a huge goal too. So a lot of those things, like, I mean, I had a moment because um, if you the other thing too is like um, I looked at there's two things that hit me real hard when the show was done. Um, you know, everyone's going up to the after party, and I sat there and I thought about it. I was talking to referee Rob Page, but I was when first wrestling started. Uh, I was there, uh, and you know, wrestling and, and like we do have a real we have a team camaraderie where we help and we set up and we do all this stuff uh, like we do the crew we do all that because we we feel it's ours and we don't we we make it so it's a, it, it, you have to be a part of the group um, also makes you really respect everything that you you know you earn but I remember wrestling at First Avenue which was cool but drawing 100 people 150 people having chairs on the floor and then you see it go to it is standing room only. then it sells out then it sells out before a match is even. And then we're doing all these big events and then we do them all of America. And when I thought about it, I was like people who have consistently that I would say consistently been around. There was four, like there's people that were on the first shows or what. And they're, you know, they still do stuff, but not consistently. But like I've watched that company grow and I've been a part of that company since it began. And like it's canon. Rob, me, uh, Morty. And I think that might be it. So I had this moment where I was like, you know, if you're looking at something and you're looking at a place you want to, if you were me in 2004 and you were like, where do I want to go? Where do I want to end up? You'd be like, I want to be at the show that's at the mall of America. I want to be at the show that sells out the mall of America and first half. And I was like, we created something that we could be really proud of. And like I and so like people were like, are you coming to the after party? Are you coming to the after party. And I was like, yeah, man, I'll I'll, I'll be there. I just got to take a moment. And I I may not have even changed out of a puffy shirt, which is also kind of funny. <laughs> but I was sitting there like over in the corner, like kind of to myself and people were like, are you coming? I was like, yeah, man, just like give me a moment. And there was like I think it was Rob and maybe Lore and one other person. I just was sitting there. I was like, we really created something that we can all be proud of. And like, I, I like broke down for a brief moment because like, that's what I knew was going to happen. So like I had a moment, I just like pulled myself together and I was like, all right, after party now, you know, so like, yeah. let's celebrate what we just did. And, and so like, it is cool. It's cool to see it be a success. And like, will there be another one? I hope so. Like I, but like, even if there's not, that was still a cool moment. And it, like I said, it's something I can hang my hat on, but like that. And I, I, also, uh, side note: people forget this. I also ran a five k obstacle course at ten a.m. before the Mall of America. Just that was one... same. That was same day. Yeah, I signed okay. up for that before okay. the Mall of America got signed up because I did it the year before, and I was like, "Let's do it this year, two in a row." And then, of course, the Mall of America date gets announced. So I had actually ran a five k race okay. before that. So, like, if you can imagine. But when the next day, when Sunday rolled around, dead. I was like. I had and I I think I woke up and I was just like, I should stay in bed all day. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Like I earned it. I should stay in bed all day. Yeah,
0: I would. I would. say That's a show that oh, I wish I would have like went to because it's one of those things. It's like, when are we going to see that happen again? Like, and you don't. I mean, nobody knows. Like, is that going to yeah. happen? And it's like, and they were. Gosh, I remember looking at tickets too, and I'm in Fargo, so I'm you know a little ways of a yeah. drive, but it's like, those are the moments that it's like, okay, that is something really special that yeah, who knows, will ever happen again. That's that's a good point.
1: Got my fingers crossed that yeah. it does. But like, yeah. I it's funny when people are like, do you know, do you know? I actually like to keep uh, also in the dark on a lot of stuff because people are like, what, what's your match going to be? I was like, I don't know. Uh, I like actually sometimes where sometimes I can hype a match. I also really like the genuine reaction to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just as surprised as you. Yeah. And uh, that's happened a lot, actually, where I'll, I'll show up to a first wrestling event. And A, it's happened where my opponent or whatever the plan was got changed. And all of a sudden, Gangrel is my opponent. And I'm like, (laughs) cool, here we go. Or the screen drops. And I'm like, what is this going to be? Oh, you know, and like, I think they did that with um, maybe it was like some of the special guests that they've done before Mm -hmm. or when we did the rosedale like the rose uh rosedale shopping mall that one um but mall of america i learned i did learn before the announcement was made but i learned that weekend uh everything and i was like oh oh this is huge (laughs) so i i I went out in the crowd and i watched everyone's reaction because i was like i want to know if it's the same as mine Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: yeah. That's something I I hope they go again. If they do do that again, I'm I've got to be there. I've got to be there for that one. And they, yeah. I mean, that crowd was start to finish on that show. Because I, I mean, I watched, but I was not obviously there. And they were, I mean, hot the entire show. Yeah. So that was I, I like awesome.
1: it. I like it that everyone you could tell felt like they were a part of something special. And that and that's such an awesome atmosphere that's one thing i really like about first wrestling it's really created a great atmosphere a great fan base where people absolutely love being a part of those shows it's Mm -hmm. it's awesome Mm -hmm.
0: so darren i know i'm already keeping you late one i'll make this last one quick which is maybe not a quick question but i want to talk about your i guess it's been dubbed the darren corbin's pipe bomb from freelance wrestling so that's something that's circulated quite a bit on social media youtube so i loved that promo so talk me through that
1: so, the okay, so the funny thing was it, again, what I think is the best thing about wrestling is when something comes up where you have to shift gears. So, uh, the plan was I was supposed to wrestle Sugar Dunkerton, so I'm supposed to wrestle him for the championship in January. Now, freelance at this time, like there's been, there have been, I'm actually trying to think if I'm correct on this, there's been very few promotions that that year leading up to that whole thing that have utilized or booked me better in story uh, than freelance did in my rise. Um, I had a lot. And so like, the thing is, is like, it was really cool. That's another one where people were like, uh, cause if anyone knows, I, I may have mentioned it in other podcasts, but one thing uh, I used to wrestle for another company in Chicago for six years and I left feeling very unappreciated of uh, how it all ended. I, I felt mm-hmm. un uh, like, undervalued in that. I wasn't, I knew I could give more, but like, I just felt like they didn't believe that I could. So going to freelance really revitalized a lot in me. And there was a time where I sat down. um, I don't care if he knows that I use him as the the head of it, but Matt Nix at the time I sat down with Nix and I said, look, you, I'm going to give you two options. I want, I'm going to tell you what I want. And I said, I want to be here every time. I want to be here every month. I want to be a big player. I want to work with you guys because freelance to me, freelance meant there was a lot of heart there and I wanted to help those guys. And I want to be a part of it. I wanted to help what I could do and bring it there. And I said, you can either tell me like we're good and what we agree to is good, or you, you can tell me to fuck off and I'll never bother you about this again. And instantaneously, he was like, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And from that point on, I was there and he goes, what should we do? And I was like, look, if you give me the microphone for five minutes, just let me get over. And we slowly built off of it. And I started creating like, because again, I don't think freelance really had too many genuine heels other than the, the main. And so I was creating that spot for myself. So eventually I got to a stage where I was booked to wrestle Sugar Dunkerton and it was for the championship. And so like, this was supposed to be a huge thing because my first match actually is reestablishing myself as freelance was against Sugar. So it was like a you know redemption story. Now, I believe that month sugar was uh, one month. He was in England. He got booked on a European tour. The other month uh, he he ended up, I think getting an uh, opportunity with whatever the, was it explosion uh, for impact or TNA? I think whichever one. So he got an opportunity to do that. So the deal was, is he had to pull off kind of like last minute, but as champion, it people were, uh, they were a little worried on how it was going to be, Received, And they're like, what do we do with you? And I go, give me the microphone and just let me go. Now, the funny thing was, is what came into my head was this. uh, Give me a microphone. Let me see what I can do. And I was like, it's Chicago pipe bomb. I jokingly wanted to like my whole thing was I wanted to do almost word for word and insert every time Cena's name was mentioned, or every time Vince was mentioned, it was Nick's or whoever. That I actually was going to make that word for word verbatim, like what I was going to do, because I thought it would be funny. <laughs> but what happened is, is as I was going through it, I, what I should have known is, I am not one to script promos. I am not one to memorize <laughs> promos. I can bullet point. <laughs> but, yeah, but um, when I sat down and did that promo, when I got in the ring, I was like, let. Just, I was like, because I said, I was like, just trust me on this one. You know, like they found another opponent for me so I could have a match. I was like, trust me, let me do this. So I started off as the pipe bomb. I started off that way. And like, what was really interesting is like, I don't know if it was what I said or I always feel like any time you talk is based, you know, like any promo that anything that we do should be based in somewhat of realism. But I honestly, like, I'm never going to be mad at somebody for taking opportunities to advance their career. Never that, mm-hmm. but winning the championship, if that happened in January, it would have advanced to me a lot. Mm-hmm. So I cut my thing. And like, the deal is, is like, I remember seeing posts from him about traveling and doing this and making the towns and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, do you know how many times I drove to Chikara? That's 18, 20 hours. But I didn't post about it every time. That was the only thing that I was like wanting to throw in there. So I cut my, I cut it, I do it. I rearrange some of it and I started going on. And like, every time I took a pause, I felt like people were growing like behind me. And so like I said stuff and then I was like, this is actually a really good opportunity for me to get something off my chest. And that was that shot that I took uh, for when I was like a promotion, a promoter in this very town said that I wasn't valuable. And ever since I left, I filled all his dates, wrestled international made more money was the best damn raw best damn medic that Monday night raw has ever seen. And like, it felt good to be like, look, you have value here. You have that. And honestly, when it's all said and done also the funny part is is just i couldn't take that fan interrupting me i was gonna bring that and i and i'm glad that like i didn't stumble on my words because that could have wrecked the whole promo i mean like i kind of get tongue-tied but i'm just like at least then you knew i wasn't scripting things but like it was just kind of funny how it all came to be when i got back to the locker room like a lot of people were like that was awesome Because truth be told, like what happens is is when you do stand up and say something and you voice your opinion, so many people are afraid to rock the boat, but you have to be assertive. And if you really want something, it's that. And like I said, I had no animosity towards sugar. But what I wanted to be like was, look, what you're doing, I don't, advancing your career, that's fine. But like, don't make it seem like you're better than me doing the same things that I've done because I've been around for a long time and even then i mean like looking how many years it's been now back to here but when i realized like so many people said some you know like said stuff to me they're like i'm glad you did that and then also we're like that really saved everything it took the perspective off the fact that he wasn't really there and it switched it so i actually think when the match happened the build was better i think that oh, was yeah. great I, I think that that and, and that's ultimately what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to enhance and talk him in the door and do all that stuff. So when that match does happen, like that is the, the kicker. And that's what I thought we did. And uh, you know, like he, he even did some stuff back to me. He did all the stuff there and we made the match and super easy. Uh, but I, like I said, I think he gave it a little bit more. And, and I looked and I, you know, I, I was guilty of looking at the comments and like even getting involved in it. But like, Part of me is like when you say, like when they do stuff, when they're like, it's just a CM Punk ripoff. Like I say at the beginning, like I'm going to sit cross-legged. And like I adapted that for so long where I was like, look, I'm going to talk and people are going to listen because this is where this is what people do or when they need you to listen. Like I'm not. I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes that that was very much a punk yeah. reference. I
0: remember like, hearing stuff like that too. And it's like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of the point what you're, what, that's what you're going for here. Take like, it to me watching that. It was so obvious like, this is what he's going for. But yeah, I've heard people yeah. say that's like, and to me that doesn't make sense, but.
1: It was weird. It mm-hmm. was just very weird. Cause like, I feel like also that's just the example. Like people will find reasons to like jump on you and dog on you and there's that. And, mm-hmm. but I just, uh, It was really interesting, though, because after that, people were I got a lot of messages from a lot of other places and like some of them were funny because they were like. What can we do to have you do that at our show? And then some people were like, great promo. Could have done without the swearing, (laughs) but great promo. And uh, I ended up doing a couple more where I would do it. And, And the thing was, is what I said is I go, here is the deal if you want me to do this, what is your end game? So I'm not just going to go out there and talk shit, but like, do you want me to hype? Because this is the deal. I think so many people go out there and try and do a pipe bomb promo. And it's literally them just talking about things that bother them. When ultimately I wanted the goal to be like, I, and I've said it before as like the loudmouth mercenary thing, Like I get paid my money to run my mouth and people get paid to shut me up. And we make a lot of money trying to do both. So that has always been my goal. And um, with that all said, that really did. And I was actually, I think it was like the following weekend. Or a- actually, it might have been that weekend. I might have done that on Friday and then flew out to Portland Saturday, Sunday to do TV tapings. And I got in the car with a group of the guys that were leaving the airport at the same time. We got in the rental car to head to the hotel. And they were like, so... uh." kind of set the internet on fire with some of your stuff huh And i was like because the deal was is no one really had screen caps of it but people were like darren corbin just unleashed a pipe bomb darren corbin fire 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 microphone like just went off and i think also because of the ultimate like outcome of everything people trust me with the microphone more. so that really helped so what i said was let me do this to help get freelance and freelance ended up helping me a, a whole lot so i But yeah, one of my definitely one of my coolest moments, and like I said, it's just kind of funny. Some people get it, some people don't, but whatever, it was good.
0: And I think my I I love the tearing into the fan at that moment. That was because I could, I mean, even on camera, you can you can't hear exactly what that fan is saying, but he's just on on, and even like everyone else in the crowd too, they they were heckling you a little bit, but you you turned the crowd pretty fast, and there's just this (laughs) one guy, one guy, but that was great. Everything just off the top of your head that was yeah that was like probably my favorite part right there that was great
1: i wasn't expecting to have everybody turn on so fast so i was like oh get it back get it back get it back yeah, yeah, hate you yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: so i know I've, I've kept you far too long here last thing um where can where can everybody find your stuff i know that you're on youtube patreon pretty active on uh, twitter the- as well
1: yeah. yeah I, uh, I would say Twitter is one of my biggest ones. It's just uh, Twitter and Instagram are at Darren Corbin. Super easy. I have a uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I mean, pretty much if you type in Darren Corbin, it will bring up mine, but it's like Darren Corbin TV is what it is. Uh, I do weekly content on there all the time. And then also I'm always very proud of this. I do a Patreon and uh, my Patreon. Yes, it is to subscribe, but I do exclusive content. I do a lot of uh, like backs, uh, kind of like, recapping the weekend that you don't get to see on youtube uh i like to do a lot of stuff that's more uh, building that community working with the people in there uh but, but the thing i'm most proud of when it comes to my patreon is i do try and post something every day maybe not a video but it's always something like an update and i always try and let my Patreons know first and uh it's been something that i've been doing for two years now i have posted Every single day. And whether it's a video or a chance to win, uh like Corbin merch or just an update on something that happens, uh, it's it's cool because it's a way for me to talk with my like people that I feel are super supportive and have earned that. And it's it's really cool to have that community of people gathered around. And uh I've heard I've had some people tell me that it's their favorite thing that subscription service that they subscribe to even above like a netflix or whatever and and while i probably would take netflix over me i mean look i'll take that compliment as we go but uh, i'm very proud of my patreon was becoming i'm I'm tweaking a lot of cool fun shows on there so uh i always say if you can uh just patreon.com darren corbin so super easy
0: and that's something too for there's a lot of patrons out there where yeah like you said there's you go on not a ton on there and for yours there's literally thousands and thousands of posts at this point so Mm -hmm. lots of good stuff there
1: and it's really cool too because for a lot of new subscribers sometimes what i'll do is i'll do like rewinds and i'll revamp stuff because uh like we mentioned i don't do a lot of uh podcasts because i do q a's where my uh a lot of my patrons ask questions so it's really fun to see that they've kind of developed the string and where we're going because i get tons of food questions because they know i love food so it's really good to get like a variety that's not wrestling sometimes and then uh, it's it's such a cool blend and i always get a kick out of the questions that i get asked absolutely
0: yeah you've been around for so long too people are very interested in not only you as the wrestler but okay what happens outside of that for darren corbin so yeah that's a that's a great platform for that so a lot of good stuff there Mm -hmm. well darren i can't thank you enough again for jumping on i know i've kept you far far too long but thank you for taking the time to do this and um Yeah, best of luck on everything going forward. Hope you're feeling better after your injury as well. I know that's a few months past, but feeling pretty good. I was going to say,
1: actually, best of luck to you. If this is the first one, I hope everything keeps rolling for you. So uh, uh, the time flew by, so don't even worry about it. Hey, thank you. I
0: appreciate it.